When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, Euphorians. Picture this. The leaves are rustling, school is back in action, and drama is in the cool, breezy air of Southern California. What could be more euphoric than a back-to-school carnival full of drugs, sex, and scandal? Listen up, bitches, to get the most in-depth look at Euphoria's most aesthetically beautiful episode to date. Grab your cotton candy and hold on tight, because we are about to embark on a journey into the twisted tunnel of euphoria love. Hello, Euphorians. It's me, Paige, and I'm back here with my boyfriend, Alex. How's it going, Alex? What it is, Paige? What's (sighs) up? Well, we are officially on day 31 of quarantine in New York City, which is insane. And when I say we, I literally only mean me and Alex. Like, we've been very good citizens. We have stayed indoors. We have not left unless we needed to get groceries, which is about, what would you say, two to three times since we've been in quarantine? Yeah, we're on, like, a, like... Once every two weeks, once every it's crazy. week type type routine. Yeah, yeah, it's pretty nuts. But like, I'm really proud of us. But it's been, it hasn't been easy. But like, it's been easy having our fans out there, which are so supportive and so cute. Hell yeah. I definitely want to start the episode out before we, you know, do our usual routine. I do want to shout out to a lot of our followers on Instagram, Twitter, wherever you may be, Facebook, You all have been so sweet, so amazing. Your DMs have just been, like, the cutest things ever. Alex and I are so excited. We're definitely... We don't care about how many followers we have. We definitely did this out of passion. So any messages you send our way are just, like, so appreciated. So I had to start out by saying that. Yeah, and, like, shout out to our international followers. Like, shout out to Bosnia and Herzegovina. Like, (laughs) shout out to Italy. Shout out Spain. Shout out Poland. Like The list goes on. We're like, we got listeners all over the place and we feel like super lucky that you guys for some reason give a shit about us and want to listen to our our silly ass podcast. Yeah. And I know like we all share the same love, which is euphoria, but like we, like Alex already said, we're just so thankful. So thank you all for listening. We really appreciate it. Um, But anyways, also on that kind of like more somber note or happy kind of somber, that's weird to say it, but um, Labyrinth this week on his Insta stories came up and Alex and I were like dying because we found out that he has coronavirus and so does his whole family. Yeah, our euphoria update of the week is not a great one. Our boy no. Labyrinth is uh, laid up with the coronavirus. Which is crazy. Him all the best. It's crazy, but it also shows that die. people in LA, if any of you are, are listeners from LA, like it doesn't matter where you live, it doesn't matter what country you're in right now, like everyone just needs to be safe and stay home. Like stay the fuck home. 
I mean, there's a lot you can do from home. You can start a pod- podcast. <laughs> you can get drunk and you can watch Euphoria. There's three things I already named. Perfect. There's plenty That's all more. You need. But really, um, our warmest wishes go out to Labyrinth, obviously, because he's a part of our Euphoria family. So sad. Um, he's been quarantining too. So it just goes to show it doesn't matter. Like the virus is going around. It happens. But he said it's awful. Like he literally on his Instagram was like, it's fucking awful. Like we've all had the worst of symptoms. So Labyrinth, we love you. Our warmest wishes. We hope you're all feeling better. It seemed like he felt better on his Insta story. So let's hope the best for his family. Um, Then moving on, we also want to do a quick shout out. Speaking of our amazing followers, um, Miranda, who's at, uh, I'm going to butcher the the fuck out of this, but it's at Miramarero. Miramaro. Miramaro. Miramaro, I think. It's on, Miramaro uh, is how it's spelled. Yeah. But um, shout out to you, Miranda. She actually DM'd us. Um, yeah, she hit us up. In uh, episode three, we were wondering what shows Kat was watching when she was dreaming about her ideal romances. And there was one we didn't know, and it wasn't in the credits. And she hit us up and said it was True Blood. So, so any there of you that, go. Yeah. If you want to know about Kat's like, deep history of romantic fantasies, yeah. she is into True Blood. So it's Gilmore Girls, True Blood, and Scandal is what yeah. we decided? Yeah, yeah, wow, wow, those are three plus, very uh, different shows. Plus 1D <laughs> and... Um, one Direction. And yeah. what was the other? The, like Once Upon a Time, the one with Captain Hook. Yeah, <laughs> Emma and Hook. Yeah. <laughs> wow, but yeah, thank you, Miranda. That was really sweet. I mean, I love that. That means people are really listening, and we just, once again, so appreciate it. So... Also, another quick shout out before we go into the episode. We actually got to speak with the Algie Smith. And oh, we did, yeah. For those of you who are newcomers or are just starting to watch Euphoria and are listening. Um, Algie Smith, who plays Christopher McKay on Euphoria. Chris, is it Christopher or Chris? Christopher. He's a nerd. <laughs> Christopher McKay. Um, anyways, so yeah, we slid into Chris's... Chris's? <laughs> we, I get them all mixed up. I'm going to... I actually joked with Alex before we got on the call. I was like, do you think it'd be weird if I called him McKay? Because I, I like to call characters by their names. I know that's like psychotic, but like I have to go off topic really quick. When I met, I met Daniel Radcliffe when I was in high school. And I, that for me was like, oof. I mean, Alex, come on. Would you not die if you met Harry Potter? Uh, oh, you don't care if you're a guy. Know. I mean, I love the movies and I like Daniel Radcliffe as you an wouldn't actor. Care? But I wouldn't like You wouldn't want a picture with Harry Daniel Potter? Radcliffe. I don't know. I mean, I guess. I feel like, like you would have at the time. It was such a big deal. I mean, I love, like, I, know, I don't I, I don't care about celebrities. There's, like, very few celebrities I care about, and the ones I do care about, like, I'm passionate about, but, like, I would be stoked to meet him. He's a great actor. I like his work. I know. I just thought of this, though, and I have to say it. So, when I was young, Alex already knows the story. I have pictures. Maybe I'll plug them. I, I'm just now thinking of this. This is definitely off our script. But <laughs> I, I met Daniel Radcliffe when I was, like... Uh, I want to say like a sophomore in high school and I literally before going into it I told my friend when I meet him I I feel like I'm gonna call him Harry Potter and I hope he doesn't care because like I don't really care about Daniel Radcliffe I care about Harry Potter that's who you play did you call him Harry no so I I was about to and you know what he said Uh, my friend interrupted me before I could even like utter a word because I was so starstruck I literally could barely speak I mean at the time this was like meeting like my biggest idol which was Daniel Radcliffe (laughs) so embarrassing but it was. He so, was cute. No, he was really short, which is, I'm really tall. So it's not against him. But like, for me, it was a really like whatever. weird moment. I know, whatever. He was, no, he was so cute. He was so humble, so sweet. You're like but anyways, racist. long story short, I meet him. 
My friend was like, what's the most annoying thing that you think about fans? And he said, when fans call me Harry Potter, it could not be more annoying because that's not my name. Like, I'm a human. This is like my real name, which is Daniel. And inside, I just crumbled because I was like, wait, no, 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 no. Like, I was going to call you Harry Potter. (laughs) Through this whole time, I was like planning on calling him Harry and making it cute. Like, do you care if I call you Harry? And he literally, right off the bat, was like, I fucking hate when people call me Harry Potter. Like, that's not my name. Like, don't call me Harry Potter. And I was like, (laughs) so anyways... That was really off topic, but anyways. I I wanted to call Algie Smith McKay. I didn't. But anyways, we had a great talk with him, but I'm not even going to go into it because Alex and I decided to start a YouTube channel. Alex, what's our little handle? Yeah, yo, we got a YouTube channel. Our channel's called That's So Euphoric. Um, if you want to listen to our <laughs> podcast anywhere other than all the other random places like Spotify and stuff, you can catch our episodes on YouTube. Um, but we're also going to throw up the the footage of Paige's convo with Algie on there. <laughs> Algie Smith. Um, plus he dropped probably, some new music this weekend. Probably some other random stuff. Yeah, he, dro- he dropped a new single. I yeah. forget what it's called. It's like Peace of Mind, I think. Yeah, or pu- no, push me away. No, push, push me away. away. But then he also push dropped peace of mind the other oh, night. And peace of mind. Um, but yeah, to um, all women matter. All, all girls, girls matter. matter. Yeah, all yeah, girls same thing. matter. All there women matter. All girls yeah. matter. They all matter. His previous song, previous hit, <laughs> all girls matter. <laughs> but yeah, so long. Or I don't know what else to say other than Algie Smith is a gem, and I do want to redeem myself from last episode. I talked a lot of shit. I don't take it back. Like I, I still think during his live, during quarantine, he was being a little stupid. But like you know what? After talking to him, I fully stand Algie Smith. He was such a sweet guy. He was really funny and just, like, very genuine. And he clearly cares about his fans. So, you know what? I'm here for Algie Smith. And you know what? He's right. All girls matter. So, stay tuned. We are going to post our vlog very soon. We will absolutely plug the shit out of it. So, we're not going to give you any of the tea. You'll just have to watch our vlog. So, without further ado, uh, let's get into it. So, episode four, um, titled Shook Ones Part 2, which continues a trend of naming these episodes after hip-hop songs mm-hmm. um but it kind of there's kind of like some inconsistency here that yeah I, I don't know how i'm feeling about the naming structure of the episodes because well, they, they didn't even use it they didn't even use a song right right well so they start with stunt like my daddy which they do use but then last week was nas made you look which they did not use and then this week is shook ones part two which they also don't use in the episode they didn't use made you look no. Okay. So I feel like it's kind of like a half-baked concept a little bit. Wait, I thought they did. I thought Kat's listening to it in her... No, that's X gonna give it to you. You got it. Okay. Yeah. Um, so I feel like... I don't know. I don't know how I feel about this naming structure, <laughs> given weird. that it's kind of <laughs> half-baked. And then also they drop it a few episodes later when they have to... They name the episode like... Bonnie and Clyde. How to, no, that's a song too. Oh my god. That's Jay-Z and Beyonce. <laughs> Come on. They carry it for like one or two more episodes after this, but then we get to like how to pee when you're fucking depressed or whatever yeah. and that breaks the trend that should be a song but it's um, not <laughs> so they don't really carry it through the whole season and then sometimes they use the songs and sometimes they don't so i'm not sure how i feel about this i like the idea of it but i don't know that they nailed the execution totally agree but anyways shook ones part two is a great song yeah. um and then this episode opens straight with uh jules past her upbringing. um and this also kind of breaks my uh, my theory about oh, yeah. every episode starting with Rue having some kind of like framing device for how she knows about what she narrates in the opening psychic. sequence. Yeah, like she's psychic or That's she's so dreaming rude. or whatever. But in this one, it goes straight to Jules and we have no like possible reference for why Rue knows this. So 
Fuck I mean, my theory. It was a, no, it was a really good theory, though. And it carried out three episodes, so it's not like it's It was a fun bad. theory while well it lasted. But anyways, we get into Jewel's story, and wow. Wow, fuck her mom. That's like what we say over and over again, or at least what I wrote down like five times when we took notes. Yeah, um, same. It just doesn't make any sense. I mean, I understand that maybe there's some people out there that are fucking stupid and closed-minded and like don't know how to like not be selfish and care about their kids. Crazy, but it's not that hard. But... I don't even understand, like, the levels she goes to. Jules' like, mom is just Put fucked. Jules away. It's so, She's so acting bad. like she's a psychopath murderer. It's like, she's just transitioning. What's the big fucking deal? I mean, Welcome I... Welcome to 2020, bitch. Like... I know. I think that the <laughs> impetus for putting her there was more related to her, like, self-harm. Um, oh, like, she didn't know how to deal with her depression. like, fuck her. Yeah. Got it. I thought it... I, I, that's funny. We haven't talked about this. I thought it was definitely because she was like wanting to transition. I thought her mom was just like, I don't want to deal with this. Like, well, you go, to this, even you that, go to this place. Yeah. Even though that, even though that place is very shitty, it's not like a like, yeah, it's not a religious like totally propaganda like don't be gay type center. No. It's just kind of your run of the mill psych ward where they would not treat you for like having issues with like transitioning totally. between genders. Right. Um so but I think we it's both more were a little confused. Farm and stuff. We both at first were very much like, wait, is this an insane asylum? Like what the fuck is this place? Cuz it's yeah. We know the timeline totally. and we're like, uh this seems really strange. I feel like you'd have to like do something really awful to go somewhere like this, but Yeah, they eventually confirmed that it is a psych ward. Um <laughs> and then, like, we looked it up, and in if this was in California, where the rest of the show takes place, I think she was only there for 72 hours, because in California, you can only, like, involuntarily commit someone, um, including a minor, for a maximum of 72 hours. Interesting. It was like, a trial, right? If they like... represent, like, an imminent harm to themselves. No, without a trial, without a court order, that's a whole other thing. Okay. But I don't think Jules did anything that could have gotten no. her a court order. I don't mean to a court be, trial. Like, I'm saying there. maybe it was a trial. Like they're like, let's test this out, see if she's, you know, uh, has the symptoms of needing to be here or whatever you uh, call it. Like this. Yeah. I mean, you can only do it if someone represents like an imminent harm. So like an imminent okay. threat of harm to themselves or others. So I'm assuming they committed her under like representing a threat to herself. Got it. Got um, it. But okay, those holds only last for 72 hours. So presumably her dad gets her out at the 72 hours or. Oh, that's great. Yeah. Okay, so the I mean, scene where she's hugging her dad, that makes sense. Because it, it doesn't really, they don't really treat it like, oh, she's been there for months. It's very, right. like, short term. You're right. So hopefully for her, it was only 72 well, hours and not longer. That redeems the question that we both had, which is why the fuck did her dad let this happen? And that makes a lot of sense. Because if her mom did, like, an impulse bullshit move, then her dad mm. probably was like, I need to get her out. Got her out in 72 hours. Oh, praise be. Yeah. Go um, Jules' dad. But yeah, what a fucking place, man. There's the <laughs> the big the big rapey boy is what I wrote down. I don't like him. The guy that is jacking I off mean, in the room. I mean, who likes that guy? <laughs> <laughs> I'm not. I'm just saying I don't like like that part of the episode. It makes me cringe. Which is like, there's so many parts of the episode that a lot of people are uncomfortable with, and for some reason that one, I'm just like, do we even need this part? Like. Yeah, I don't know. I don't find it too excessive and that that's the type of stuff that you're liable to encounter in a psych ward. Like, I guess, but I like, mean, it also just shows Do we have to see his like tiny dick? Like, again, more with the, more with more the jacking with the of the tiny dicks. At least but, he's not in a I diaper. But like, I mean, yeah, it, 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 I guess they do a good job of showing the stark contrast of like, Jules obviously like isn't on the same level as some of these people that are like suffering in this Yeah, ward. and plus it's probably a good shorthand for like, 
oh my god like they need they don't spend that much time in the psych ward so they need to give you something to be like holy shit this place is fucked, fucked. like and yeah. so that's a okay. very quick easy way to like illustrate how fucked this place is uh, you're so right but like ew i just but yeah I, disgusting I um but yeah <laughs> really i mean jules hate. somehow has a great sense of humor about being there she's yeah. like laughing about she's like maybe these mitts will help like when they have the yeah. fucking like mitts strapped to her she's, hand so she's, she's still really funny. cute she has such a good personality even as a youngster totally but um, we also love the doctor that helps her out. I mean, he's really stupid for leaving her with that ginger mm. ale can. Who would have thought, yep. though? I mean, I can't say I would think my kid would, like, or whatever, a kid I was treating would use that as, like, a knife. But you have to take every precaution. And if you work in a psych ward, like, you should know this shit. Yeah, I mean, they're trained. They know but better. But to be fair, but I think... I don't hold it against him because he's a nice guy. I know. Well, not only is he nice, I think he was like, this kid doesn't belong here. I'm going to treat yeah. her different. And then he was yeah. like, fuck. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, he gets so it's, ass by it's that. so sad. Yep. But um, I wrote, obviously, Alex and I talked about this a little before we recorded, how I thought it was just, like, so sad, obviously, to hear her talk about how she didn't like how her, like, brain worked, how she looked. I mean, hearing any child or adult say that is awful, but that part was very triggering for me. Um, Alex knows, like, I have a shit ton of anxiety. I've had lots of fucking shit in my life, so... Hearing, like, a little kid like that just, like, talk about that shit is so triggering. Like, I can't even imagine being her dad. It was just really sad. So, I guess, like, main point being, like, Jules, no wonder we, like, pick her to be Bay of almost every episode. Like, she truly, like, did go through a lot of bullshit and, like, is such a badass and is so, like, she's confident and she has her things, but, like, she's a great She's just a great character. Yeah, I mean, she ends up one of the most, like, put-together like mature competent got her shit together characters on the show yeah um and given her background like damn good her confidence her. doesn't feel phony it doesn't feel insecure it's very like no she strong. earned that shit yeah yeah big time so yeah and then i also wrote i mean i just think she's beautiful like her transition is like on point like she's just a beautiful girl i'm just like jules is like a star yeah she um, gets out of the psych ward and a few years later she starts uh slutting it up yeah in her she does words. and like good for her uh, or in but Rue's words i guess and hunter starts, who plays uh, her has the weirdest sex scenes by the way yeah she definitely gets like probably the weirdest sex scenes in the show weirdest because um, like Kat has to do encounter weird stuff, but she doesn't really, like, partake in the weird sex scenes for the most no. part. But Hunter has to take place, like, be a part of, like, some pretty awkward, fucking awkward weird sex scenes. Because they do this whole sequence where she's, like, mm-hmm. banging all these dudes who are allegedly 100% straight. Yeah, right. Um, my ass. <laughs> But uh, but also it's funny because she's very like cool, calm, and collected when she's like she's just like I don't care like I'm just here to fuck. Yeah, we don't need to talk like, about your life. Whatever, and... dude. I know you just want to BJ, so like let's get on with it. Yeah, and you were saying too that it just shows how many dudes nowadays like just are so lame and like or I guess yeah lame. They just like are so afraid to like talk about their sexual orientation. Yeah. I mean, it's, like, all these dudes just, are who cares? Clearly, be proud of it. Clearly uncomfortable with being into uh, trans women. Um, like who cares just admit that so they all have to say they're 100% straight even though they're fucking obviously not obviously not yeah but she has the weirdest sex scenes which obviously like we all know as super fans that Hunter was not an actor before Euphoria she only did modeling that was it so I mean fuck I I, I couldn't fuck Eric, Eric whatever eric dane is that yeah, yeah eric dane. speaking of um, <laughs> without laughing so like good for her good yeah, job hunter speaking of we revisit their uh, motel sex scene during the sequence which definitely paints it in a bit of a different light because the does. first time we talked about this it was a little ambiguous how rapey this was um, but we both this, were like it's rapey this definitely like 
put some points on the side of it being more rapey given that she's like sometimes it's so aggressive i just imagine myself somewhere else or whatever while that's happening like that's not a good sign Um, no it shows that like clearly that was not like a romantic hot moment for her it was definitely a little bit traumatizing if you will yeah i mean she just imagines she's not even in that moment during that which is like a pretty classic thing people say when they're being raped totally so. so that's awful yeah, um, but definitely then... <laughs> sheds a little more light on that. <laughs> on a lighter note, she does want to move to NYC. She's hugging Rue, and they show her quickly. Yeah. Kind of talking about how now she's, you know, we wrap up Jules' upbringing by, now I've met Rue, my life is, like, going well. I, I like her. She's cool. She's dope. I picture us, like, living our life together in New York City. In a shitty New York City apartment. It would have been more. I think the writers should have put, like, the big apple. I feel like <laughs> a better way to say it. The large but you know apple. What? It's okay. Like, you know, you win some, you lose some. But I really think she could have said the big apple in that part. Yeah, come on, euphoria screenwriters. <laughs> Sam Levinson, like, what the fuck? But, yes, she wants to live in New York. So, like, shout out. If, if Hunter wants to live in New York, she does. Actually, I, I don't even know why I said that. But if she wants to live with us, like, we have a studio. But, like, she could live in the kitchen. Yeah, it is. Suck. Hunter, come over for happy hour. We'd love to have you. Yeah. <laughs> you can sleep in our cat's bed. Um, but anyways, or in our bed. yeah. Credits come on. The, uh, yeah. The credits. Um, Which we both were like, oh my god, this song is like really good. And then I was like, wait, I'm a super fan. How do I not know? How do I not know this song? I have the Euphoria vinyl. I have the soundtrack on my Spotify. So Alex did a little digging. And it is Labyrinth. We guessed it, but like... Yeah, it is Labyrinth, um, but it's not on the official like soundtrack release because allegedly it's an unreleased track from his new album. Um, okay. But if you want to find it, like we'll put it on our Instagram. But totally. also, it's called "Never Felt So Alone" Euphoria version. Yeah, totally. Um, and I that's just one really of liked the, it. I'm pretty so-so on Labyrinth's score for Euphoria. I think it has great moments and not so great moments, but this is one of my favorite songs for him. Um, cool. Really enjoy that one. Yeah. And there we go. title card and then we're into it we're into it so my first point was um i like to talk about i don't know why this like caught my eye but when rue's talking about her life with ali at the diner um i'll let you like get into the diner details but Mm. she kind of talks about like yeah the diner deets um i noticed that she was talking a lot about how she had no passion for anything and for Alex mm-hmm. and I, that was, like, really weird and tough to hear because Rue's such a strong, complex character who has, like, such a great personality. So when you hear that, like, someone like that doesn't have a passion for anything, it's, like, almost hard to swallow. You're like, shit, that's, like, really rough. Because, like, Alex yeah. can describe us very quickly. Like, we are some of the most passionate people around, I feel like. Almost to the point where, like, our friends are like, can you both, like, yeah, it down. I mean, like, we, there are so <laughs> many things we're interested in and passionate about that we could live, like, lifetimes and never run out of stuff to be, like, into. Like, music, yeah. film, art, history. Like, this podcast. Podcasting. <laughs> like, euphoria. Fucking everything and, like, anything. Yeah. Like, I don't know. I find everything, like, fascinating and I can't really imagine not having, like, things that you're just, like, intensely interested in. Because mm-hmm. as long as I can remember, like, literally from, like, age three, starting with Star Wars, I've just been, yeah. like completely invested in like being so fucking into things and being into drugs we talked about because drugs for both of us anytime we've Mm -hmm. experimented with drugs it's literally hand in hand with our passions which are music watching something weird or funny on tv like yeah like what's she doing on drugs (laughs) just hanging around like i don't know but like i think it's a good i i never noticed it until we rewatched it for the hundredth time this time Mm -hmm. around 
And I think it's a good, uh, it's just a really good observation because it makes you really see Rue for who she is and you really feel this emptiness because you're like, wow, that must feel so lonely to have no passions because passions really can be like your friends, your homies. Like, <laughs> well, I just mean it like music, like film, like you can yeah. get lost in it. And yeah. for her to not have any of that, fuck. Like now I get why she's like, I guess an addict and loves jewels. But anyway. Yeah, it adds an interesting uh, dimension to her character. It does. For sure. But the diner, a great diner. Yeah, it is a great diner. Um, I'm a big nerd about a good <laughs> diner. Love a good diner. Um, I mean, who doesn't? Yeah, and LA in particular has some of the like great classic diners that are on oh, film and TV. We've never mentioned this either. Alex and I met in LA and went to school there. So like we did. we're not just yep. speaking of like, oh, you know, we don't know anything. Like we actually both lived in LA for a long time. I was born there, so like LA is in our culture. Truly. <laughs> um so I looked it up and the diner they're at is called Pans. Um okay. and it's been there since the fifties. It's been in some other film and tv including a triple x starring vin diesel as well vin as <laughs> two separate nick cage movies uh, matchstick men and next yeah another personal plug alex is literally borderline obsessed with nick cage he sleeps on a pillowcase with his face it's on beyond it. borderline i am fully obsessed with nick cage maybe you just start a podcast about nick cage that Ooh. oh okay later. don't even get me started. talks for later <laughs> anyways this is a great diner it's a great classic 50s la diner um and it it's really in is. the architectural style known as googie which is googie? like googie like g-u-g-o-o-g-i-e which okay. is a style of architecture that's kind of from like the space age it's very like futurist Ooh. looking um it's usually found in like motels coffee shops gas stations diners um that type of stuff and it's kind of that style that incorporates lots of like space age like imagery like flying saucers or like the atom the symbol of the atom or like big blocky letters like stuff like that it's that very like of the time retro futurist like cool look and this is a great you example oh totally like and the location scouts obviously knew what the fuck they were doing yeah um a lot of people also think this is the diner where they filmed the scenes in pulp fiction but it's not. It was Pan's sister restaurant, Holly's, in Hollywood. Shout out Holly's. That. But uh, <laughs> people aren't too far off, I guess. Well, that's great. I mean, this scene is obviously really great. Um, essentially, Ollie just gives her the fucking rule of the land, which is like, yo, you're an addict. You're addicted to jewels. Like, you need to be fucking careful and tread lightly. Yeah, and you can tell that Rue gets it, too. Like She does. It hits she's her like, hard. She's like, fuck. <laughs> Oof. Yeah, like, you're right. Like, I am just... I've just traded addiction to drugs for addiction to jewels. Yeah, but it's also a sad, like, realization because she really does love sad. jewels. It's, it's not just, like, your baseline. Like, now I'm just, like, hooked onto this person just because. It's, like, I know now that I'm addicted to this person, but I also, like, still like this person, so that's... Yeah, and now she has to figure out how to tell addiction from love, and, yeah, like, how to deep. navigate this shit, and how to not make it, like, a new unhealthy, like, addiction, like... Totally. Good stuff. But, yeah, they're in there, her and Ali, um, and I thought it was funny in this scene, because Rue mentions, um, she's talking about her classmates having Tumblr rants. Oh, which yes, I thought yes, was yes. funny um, because Tumblr's pretty much dead nowadays after their, uh, their ban on porn. It still, still exists, exists, but it kind of died after 
the, a new company bought it and they kind of put it in new like new policies in place that prohibited mm. like pornographic content which is like all it was and that pretty much day. killed tum- like tumblr um, yeah i had a roommate that like loved tumblr shout out teal but like it, it was definitely like the hipster vibe but like and i mean that in like a complimentary way like i always loved it was essentially like a really good mood board to just stare at and like scroll through for hours yeah it was different than instagram though because it wasn't self-promoting it was like promoting other people's art other people's like you know yeah, I mean, Findings, I, think you, I guess if you will, I think you saw like near the end of Tumblr. I think it, it kind really of shitty. became like <laughs> more of like kind of the early roots of influencers, where there were these people that were like sharing photos of themselves and their lives mm, on Tumblr, boring. and were getting huge followings off of it. Um, so it was kind of like maybe the early days of influencers, but for the most part, Tumblr was not so like self congratulatory. Even if you were posting pictures of yourself. And um, I even brought you weren't up necessarily the... making money off the. You might get internet famous, but it wasn't like this thing where you get brand deals and shit. No, and you were telling me, which I didn't know, because I was like, "Why is she talking about Tumblr rants? I thought Tumblr was just fucking pictures." But you said that people like would go on there, like it was their journal. yeah. People used it kind of like MySpace or like in a diary type way. Hmm. Um, and I never people used it would. Like that. It was also a big thing in like the like fan communities. So all the. Uh, all the cringy fanfic that cats writing, writing is on, is on Tumblr, Tumblr. You think? and if that's where you would go if you wanted to find like shitty fan art oh of like God. two characters like hooking up, like come for the Tumblr, <laughs> leave with a fantasy or whatever. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> but uh, I don't know, kind of R.I.P. to Tumblr. It was like really cool for a while, and I found out about a lot of cool shit on Tumblr. And Damn, R.I.P. It used to be fucking cool. Well, you know what? Let's take a moment of silence for Tumblr. Yeah. All right, moving All right. on. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we are entering the carnival. Yeah. Woo! The town carnival. So this is clearly like outlined as a big deal in the community, which is so stupid. Alex and I have our thoughts on small towns because he's from one. And like, I think this, this type of shit is so stupid. <laughs> but they're all excited. Everyone's there. We get this great opening shot of Angus. Oh, sorry. Fezco, mm-hmm. I, I confuse all their names, you know how it is. Mm-hmm. Fezco and Ashtray opening up their, uh, what is it, Pretzel Mania? Yeah, the Pretzel Stand, so yeah. that they can sell Welcome drugs. Welcome to Pretzel Mania. Um, yeah, here's a funny, a great shot. here's a good small town story for you. Um, so in my small town, Vancouver, Washington, the yearly like fall like festival carnival thing <laughs> was called the Sausage Fest. No, it wasn't. And I grew up with this every year, so I didn't really get that that Are was you funny serious? until I was older. And then I was like, <laughs> like, do you think they did that the on purpose? Fest. How fucking stupid were no, they? No, it was run by like the church. It was run by like the, the Saint, church run by like Saint it? Joseph's Church, and it was because they like had like Sausages. bratwurst for sale. And that's how they made a lot of the money. Um, but, like, yeah, every year I went to the Sausage Fest growing up and didn't realize how funny that was until I was, like, a teenager. That and is I was so like, oh. stupid. That is the dumbest shit. Like, is that funny? Not only is it funny, the things that small towns come up with, I just, I can't even keep up. I'm a, I'm a city girl. Alex know. knows this. I've always lived in a city, so this small town shit really gets me. But, yeah, I know what it's like when uh, the carnival comes to town in the fall. Yeah. But Fesco has this great supreme sweater. He's like, let's mm-hmm. get this money. Yeah. They're setting up their stamps and you get this you get a really great, very quick couple of shots following every character, which the whole episode is just bouncing all around, which is what makes it mm-hmm. so unique and so aesthetically pleasing in my opinion. Is that I, I love shit like this because you know if you're a film geek of any sort, you know how much work goes into these type of shots. But essentially, they're following every character's plotline throughout the whole episode. So we've got Alex's weird yellow lighting. 
throughout oh, yeah. the whole thing. The lighting's very like purple and yellow in this episode. Yeah, it's, it's almost weird. like yeah, it's like very weird. It's good. They do a good job, and we watched like a little interview of the HBO does like after the show, and they're talking about how they were trying to make the carnival like super psychedelic and chaotic, and they definitely execute. Yeah, that. they had some interesting stuff to say about how carnivals are kind of like this weird experiential like space. Mm-hmm. that exists very like it's like a bubble like you can go in there and it's super psychedelic and weird and there's like especially if you're on drugs like cassie and maddie and sounds <laughs> and like it's an atmosphere where like Fireworks. new weird things happen like mm-hmm. um, there's some like you know you can like kind of escape if you have a significant yeah other. and i thought that was like a i thought it was an interesting take on i thought or not like i thought it was a good analysis of like yes. the carnival and what it represents and then i also thought that they did a great job like translating that into the episode i also feel like the carnival is one of those spots where like you know when you're going as a kid like or a high school kid at least i don't know if you can relate but i definitely can it's like you know you're going to the carnival and you're not going to like go on the right you're going yeah. to like the carnival up, always has up. like a, a it's like a weird underbelly. yeah it's like yeah. it's never normal there's always scandalous shit going on even it's... going back like to like old old like books and stuff mm-hmm. like something wicked this way comes like the carnival coming yes. to town is not necessarily like a good thing no and people usually get up it to no good the there like yeah totally yeah. so we get this great intro like i said the shots are amazing apparently like the the crew built these like crazy dolly shots where they're like running through this carnival, you know, in one take, which is so hard to execute. Yeah, they were doing a lot of like long tracking shots on dollies mm-hmm. and then like flipping the camera around and running yeah. it back the other way and, and filming cranes. the other side of like yeah. what the camera was seeing the first run, which is cranes super cool. like whipping around so they could get the Ferris wheel shots. Mm-hmm. Like, so they were literally like going from a dolly to like a crane, then back down. I mean, it was like, yeah, and they nuts. like blend it all so it seamlessly looks like one long take. They which also cool. built the carnival from the ground up, which is really cool. So, like, when they yeah. planned this episode, they had no idea what it was going to look like. They weren't even really knowing if they were going to be able to do this. So, that's pretty dope. And they did it on, well. like, a like a haunted fairgrounds type thing. Oh, yeah. You read about that, didn't you? I like, was reading an interview. Sydney Sweeney and Algae. Yeah, I was reading an interview with those two. And they mentioned that this was filmed on this big, like, the grounds of, like, a big mental hospital where a bunch of patients escaped and, like, murdered a bunch of groundskeepers. Oh, good. I couldn't <laughs> confirm any of this, but that's what they both said they said it was haunted they said hmm. they went down in the morgue and it was super creepy and they were there filming all night and shit so well i mean it makes sense know. why shit gets weird yeah there you go so we get this funny quick moment like i said we're following each character we see nate he's calling maddie and screaming of course because he's a huge dick he's like where are you at i was laughing because i was making fun of alex this is some shit alex would do if he was meeting up with me he's horrible oh, at directions totally. I, I no i would be at the ferris wheel <laughs> it just wouldn't be the right ferris wheel yeah right it's fucking classic whatever but um it's a great hilarious scene because first of all nate is so fucking stupid he finally meets up with maddie he a calls her a hooker which like no he's all pissed he's like why are you dressed like a hooker yeah like the carnival's a place where you should be dressed so conservatively like fuck off nate secondly he literally is like this chili cook-off do you even know what this means to my family it's like a chili cook-off you could literally crack open a can of chili from trader joe's and throw it into a pot and it would probably taste better than the one your family makes so calm down yeah she's like what it's just the carnival and he's like no it's the chili cook-off like you're like as oh. if it's like the catalina fucking wine mixer like exactly and he made so it even what? trashier so fucking what does the what does it mean <laughs> <laughs> it's the chili cook-off like how should she have dressed for the chili cook-off like exactly. a fucking pantsuit like what did you want Fuck like off. also um i love maddie's outfit to death it's this actually it's this designer i'm really a big fan of shout out it's i am gia gia um they do a lot of cool shit they do a lot of more like 
costumey stuff. So that's why it's it's supposed to be like not your normal everyday outfit. It's like something you'd wear to Coachella. Yeah, I mean it's a ridiculous outfit. But <laughs> yeah, like it's but all it's, it's the carnival. It's so Maddie. What the fuck? What do you expect from Maddie? Shit? So then after that, um, we kind of just like I said, we follow each character. I I kind of put a little tiny note that I I always think it's cute when you see Cat and Jules together because I always forget that like Cat was Jules' first friend. Mm-hmm. I don't know why. Summer I just school I friends. always forget because. I kind of told they you this, too. just don't show them together very often. Yeah, and I think our other fans might have stuff to say about this, too, but I feel like also, I didn't really think about this until just recently, but I feel like you never see Rue and Jules really hanging out with the, the girl squad, if you will. Yeah, I think they're just kind of more, like, casual, like, associates with totally. them as opposed to, like, tight friends. Yeah. Um, but they're all Lexi still, like, friends. Lexi intermixes the most. Yeah. And that's where we get here. We get Lexi, Gia, and Rue are hanging out at the mm-hmm. carnival, um, and then they bump into, uh, they meet up with Jules. And, um, and Jules is a gem here. She's so nice so and good. chill and casual about what happened between her and Rue. She doesn't make it like shitty or awkward or anything. Yeah, she could have easily like made fun of her, or humiliated her, and you know whatever. But like she was so chill mm-hmm. about their first kiss. And um, uh, also, once again, Rue is looking great outside of school. She's got like the trench mm-hmm. coat with the like glittery like tear cool acid tear type thing going on, which totally works. Like yeah, the makeup crew like executed that so well. Yeah. Um, but also it's really funny because, um, Alex definitely doesn't agree with this one, but I definitely understand why fans think this. Lexi has a little moment where Gia's like, it's kind of a funny moment because like Jules and Rue are like hugging, they're having their moment. Gia's like, uh, just so you know, to Lexi, (laughs) confirmed Rue is fucking obsessed with Jules and is in love with her. Yeah. And Lexi kind of brushes it off like, oh, like I didn't know that. Like kind of like, hmm, oh, and like. She kind of gives off a little bit of, like, jealousy, and I don't know if it's romance. A lot of people out there think Lexi likes Rue, like, a romantic way. I don't know. I'm, like, on, I'm in the middle. I call bullshit on that. So, I don't think she's, like, in love. I would never be like, oh, my God, Lexi's lusting over Rue. I do think it's more of an ownership thing where it's, like, I've been your friend. I've done more for you than, like, Jules has. Yeah. Does that make sense? It's like, you come to me whenever you need shit, but then you're like, oh, Jules, she's so amazing. It's like, wow, fuck you. What about me? (laughs) Yeah, of course. Now that makes sense. I just don't buy this like romance thing between them. I think it's weird. I think it's totally normal that Lexi would be like, kind of like standoffish during this Mm -hmm. like scene, given that all of a sudden Rue has like this brand new friend who she's completely obsessed with after she's been treating Lexi like shit for a long time. And Lexi's a very cool person. Like she dresses I think also like without us, I mean, we don't know this, but it doesn't seem like there have been prior hints that Rue is into girls. Um, so like Lexi is probably a little like interested at least that Gia's like yeah Rue's in love with her totally. like that's probably a little new Alar- to Lexi yeah. like I don't or know. not alarming but like oh not wow. alarming but like we don't know this yet but it seems like this is kind of new for Rue so yeah. as someone that's known her pretty much her whole life Lexi's probably just like oh hmm, I have mixed feelings all I want to say is all, all of us super fans definitely want to see more uh, behind the scenes of Lexi we just need to know more about her life we really don't know a lot about her personal background so season she two chill. season two you better play into Lexi like. We stand Lexi. Um, so yeah, then moving on. Um, did you have anything else to say about no, Jules no. and Rue running then into we, each other? Uh, no, then we move on to uh, McKay. McKay bringing uh, Cassie around the, the Nate Jacobs family. Yeah, and like and we said, Aldi Smith, so much love for you, but damn, your character just yeah, like, once he's again, fucking fuck up McKay, left man. and right. Yep. We don't, but this is the thing, and I, 
Alex is a little different than I am. I don't hate McKay. I just think he's a dumb, immature high schooler. I think there's a difference. I hate Nate. I don't hate McKay. I think he has good intentions. I think he's just so classic, immature. But like, it hurts worse when McKay is shitty because Cassie's like one of the only like good, truly good people on the show. Everyone else is kind of shitty, so you don't feel that bad for them when other characters treat them bad. But Cassie is, is like, just... an actually good person, so it fucking sucks that McKay is so shitty to her. I know, but also, it's interesting, because whenever uh, Algie's interviewed about McKay, it makes a lot of sense that he he goes more in-depth on McKay's character, and it's very obvious that, like, he's very self-conscious. He's never had a girlfriend like Cassie, and Cassie's such, like, a prize. She's, I mean she has like sex videos out and stuff so i think he's just really territorial over her but in a way that's like he doesn't even know how to grapple with having like a girlfriend like cassie it doesn't excuse anything but i think he's just very like vulnerable well, yeah, and he's not totally. good at managing it so I mean, anyways yeah, i agree but... anyways i went on a rant but i, I don't but it doesn't McKay. excuse the fact that nate's like oh are you guys in a relationship and mckay just goes no nah, we're just chilling oh like, cassie's face is like that. excuse me in that moment oh i would be just yep. And then Cal comes in and doubles up on the shittiness (laughs) and is like, oh, he's just being a super fucking misogynist, like, dickhead. And is like, (laughs) oh, McKay, you gotta do a lot to keep a girl like that. Like, a girl like what? Like, fuck you. I know. What do you know about her, old man? Yeah, what do you know about Cassie? And also, like, how dare you? Like, you're old. Yeah, exactly. It's it's just Then he goes, he doubles up on it by going down the whole, like, uh, the football thing. He's like, it's not just football, football. it's life. Like, no, it is just football. It's a fucking game. It's It's a a game. It's a silly game that people (laughs) play for fun. Like, it's not life. It's a game. Life is not a game. It's also not life when you live in a small town and you're not really going to make it anywhere like McKay. No offense. But it's like, you know, know, wake up call. Well, according to Cal, McKay has like the best (laughs) sidestep 45 in the league or whatever the fuck. (laughs) The gin is hitting, ladies and gentlemen. The gin is hitting, Alex. Sidestep 45. That's like pretty much what he says. (laughs) Love it. But anyways, we do get a good, a great we have two, well, two interesting moments. We get a great older brother moment, Aaron, who's drunk in the corner of the tent, and he's just like, mm-hmm. he's drinking just like, steel reserve, no less. Pretty much the cheapest, shittiest, like yeah. malt liquor alcohol you can get in the Which world. Which for Cal's prestigious elitist family who drinks, who would <laughs> he drinks cooks? Yeah, though, Cal so drinks <laughs> cooks. <laughs> but anyways, he's drunk and he's like just in the corner, like pretty much mocking his brother and his dad. It's just like a great scene. I I think it's so redeeming because he's the only redeeming quality in that fucking family. Mm -hmm. But then it also plays into the big mystery. Who is the little son? Yeah, so here we have the whole the whole Jacobs family and the little son uh, from the family photo on the phone and on the wall is mysteriously absent. He's never there, and it's like, where's the the little boy? I think he's got to be dead. No, okay, he might be dead, but also like he should be there because if like there's no reason a little boy would stay home. Like also, they're all young in that photo. He's clearly out of the picture for some reason. He's out of the picture. He intentionally is omitted from every scene with that family, other than the family photos. Yeah, and that's for a reason. Is he dead? Probably. Yeah. Well, he should be there stirring the chili with the family because the chili is so important. So where are you, little son? And then we're gonna put the photo. (laughs) The mystery little son. We will absolutely. We're gonna plug the family photo in one of our posts, and I, I would love all of our fans to comment like. Who do we think this little son is? If he had a name, what would it be? And like, where was he during this chili cook-off? Well, his name is Fen. He's dead. 
and he's buried in the ground. Okay, well, I think his name is Beans. I think... Oh, that's pretty good. I think he had bad gas, and he had to stay home, and he missed the carnival. (laughs) Oh, you think he's still alive, (laughs) just at home with bad gas? Exactly. Fascinating. We'll see in season two. Then we transition into the scene with Cassie and Maddie, correct? Yeah, the girls, like, both had some bad times with their men, so they're like, like, let's fucking get some drugs. Fuck these boys. Maddie goes, do you want to do Molly? She's yeah. like, want to do Molly? And Cassie's just like, yes, please. Yeah. So they they go through the great seamless ticket process of getting a ticket to Pretzelmania. Yeah. Ashtray's like, welcome to Pretzelmania. <laughs> Can I take your order? <laughs> Love Ashtray. They and get like, some Molly. Two pretzels, please. And Maddie's like, ew, carbs. And Cassie's just like, oh my god, Maddie, shut up. And then they have a little moment, but there's the it's infamous quote. It's sad that they quote. throw those pretzels away, though. They should have eaten those. Yeah, that probably would have helped them out. Right. They were both yeah. kind of struggling. They could have used some food. They could have used some protein. Yeah. Um, but I love the line when Maddie's like, Bitch, you're my soulmate. I mean, everybody loves that. I have a bracelet with that engraved on it. That's how much I love it. It's a great moment in time. But anyways, Maddie has a small moment where she like grabs Cassie by the arm and is like, I gotta talk to you. Like Nate has dick pics. And I mean, that's an important moment to remember because we get into that next episode. Oh yeah. Um, anything else to say about Maddie and Cassie? I mean, they're just having no. a great night. No, no, no. They, their <laughs> night starts out great. Um, then we go, I have the 10th, I, I wrote that I was really drunk during the episode and I accidentally thought I got, Alex was laughing at me so hard. I was like, why does it say Jacob's family on the chili tent? Cause I was oh, thinking yeah. Jacob Alordi. I was like, why would they put the real actor's name on the tent? And then I <laughs> forgot that Nate's last name is Jacob's. I mean, yes. I, it just goes to show you could watch a show twenty times and it's like fuck I didn't know Nate's it's last not name Jacob's. Jacob's family it's the Jacob's family oh I'm sorry the the Jacob's, the Jacob's family, family. And it's but like yeah chili. that chili was pretty tent. funny Paige was pretty confused about that which <laughs> well was, I was just like why would they do funny. that to poor Jacob Alordi that's so weird <laughs> <laughs> yeah so then uh, Rue is not believing Jules about the cow hookup so no. she heads on over to the Jacob's tent to uh, to get some chili and puts the power play on Cal which is fucking great because he's just quaking in his boots like a little bit. quaking bitch. in his boots his ladle is shaking the chili is flying off the ladle onto the table <laughs> yep chili <laughs> flying everywhere everyone's staring and nate is so mad nate that's is my fuming. favorite part yep. he's just in the corner and he can't do anything about it because he nope. can't let his dad know that he knows exactly so we both love that part because it's like fuck you nate you should be so mad ha 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 your yep. dad fucked duels yeah and then they look uh they pan over to rue and her face is fucking hilarious she's like, she like and then she just like Ooh. turns around and walks away very awkwardly like, oh, into the shit. dark <laughs> yeah then aaron calls jules jailbait which is so mm-hmm. funny because it's just like once again aaron's just drunk having a good time yeah little does he know both of the other men in his family have had sexual encounters have some, some feelings about that jailbait so then we have the in my opinion, one of the most empowering female scenes in all of Euphoria, which was when Maddie is clapping because they won the fucking chili cook-off. Yay, you get a trophy that's probably plastic. Um, she's clapping and she walks right up and the mom's like, what the hell is wrong with you? And she goes, you cunt. <laughs> Kicks over the yep. chili pot. Knocks the chili pot over. So good. And a I'll... great classic fuck you moment. A classic fuck you moment, but the fact that they use the word cunt makes it even better because everyone's so afraid to use that word. And I feel like I won't go into it because so many people get so easily offended. But I don't really care. Like, I think it's a funny word. It's whatever. It's, it's just fine. whatever. It's so empowering. I love it. I would it. say it more, but it's honestly not that fun to say. But like, Yeah, it doesn't roll off the tongue, whatever. but in that moment, it does. Yeah. Cunt chili. 
Yeah, it's a great moment. Two great words put together. Yeah, and that's kind of like one of... <laughs> chili cunt. <laughs> the the, the old, mom is uh, a chili cunt. The mom is definitely a chili cunt. <laughs> oh, sure. 100% confirmed. So chili then, cunt confirmed. Then, you know, after the chili cunt scene, <laughs> we pan over to the Cassie carousel moment. Um, yeah. Cassie is... Uh, <laughs> she's having a good time. Cassie grabs Daniel's, like, want to ride the, the carousel. Daniel being Kat's ex-boyfriend from, like, when they were 10 or something. Yeah. They go ride the carousel. And boy, Cassie's having a good time. She's like, time. I could ride the carousel forever. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I can relate to Cassie because Alex knows this. I've... The, the very few times I have experimented with drugs like Molly, I definitely get that same, like horny feeling so like i can't even imagine like riding a carousel like i i just all i'm gonna say is i know how she felt in that moment (laughs) and there's nothing more horrifying for a carousel to come to a slow stop and then to look around and see everyone just staring at you like what the actual fuck and you just like coming off this high like i totally get why she goes into like a very quick downward spiral i don't even think uh... it's about it's not even about kissing Daniel. I think she's just like, oh my god, this is humiliating. Like, I've been, like, moaning and groaning out loud on a carousel. <laughs> yeah, it's another one of those moments that Euphoria does well, where, like, from the inside, the drug experience is looking, like, great. Like, mm-hmm. you're on the carousel, it's hot, it's sexy. It's cool. like drugs are cool until they're not. You're making out with Daniel, like, he's cute, like, this is, like, great, and then... As soon as you're, like, outside that moment, it's like, what the fuck is this girl doing? Like, jizzing all over the carousel in front of, yep. all, like, all the kids. like And dads. <laughs> well, dads especially. Yeah. So it's, like, not only that, but also I'm sure a part of her, of course, feels guilty because she does love McKay. So that's also really shitty because you're like, damn it, I was that's high, shitty. I was, like, in the moment. She does. She's really sad after. Yeah, I guess. She is. I so then pan over to Kat. Am I right? Um, I mean, yeah, a little bit. Yeah, we go to Kat at a certain point, and she's uh, she had met up with Ethan. They were gonna get drunk on slushies and have some fun. They're on the tilt a whirl. uh, They're like, yeah, love the tilt a whirl. (laughs) Ew, I hate that ride. Whatever. Whatever. You almost cried on the zipper. Yeah, because fuck the zipper. That's a terrible (laughs) ass ride. Of course, I almost cried (laughs) on it. I took Alex on the zipper once, and I thought he was gonna love it, and he literally was screaming and almost cried. I was not screaming, but I was horrified. And the <laughs> zipper is absolute trash. It's not fun. If you think it is, fuck you. <laughs> um, but yeah, they're going to have some fun. And then uh, Kat kind of mistakes like one of Ethan's like dumb sisters, dumb friends, yeah. like talking to him and gets all upset. She gets self-conscious. That's all. She just I think she just yeah. in that moment is like, I thought he liked me. This is obviously just like a friend thing, not more than that. So I think she just got self-conscious and kind of dipped. Which yeah, and then she goes same, off to, to fuck uh, the Caston, the legendary like the big, big dick, dick boy, Kasten. the big dick Carney from previously from the high school, <laughs> who is very hot. Um, finally, yeah, kind of cat looking. upgrades from like tiny dick diaper man, and like she also has a good outfit that you and she noted. gets like one of the hottest dudes on the show. She looks pretty good in this episode too. She's got the latex um, red, like, top. She just looks good. She raw dogs it with uh, <laughs> the cast in, though, which we is... We don't know if she d- raw dogs Yes, it. we do, because she okay. asks if he has a condom, and he says no. Oh, you're right. Okay, but um, she's probably on the pill. So she's going to get pregnant, but no, whatever. At hope. least he's cute. I think she's on birth control, which still... You should still do both kids, but still. Fuck, yeah, you're right. She totally raw dog it. Yep. Um, and then, meanwhile, we got Nate, who was uh, choking the shit out of Maddie. Are yeah. we surprised at all that Nate is physically abusive? Like, no. No. No, no. one's surprised by this. He's um, awful. Yep. I mean, there's not much more to say. And the other part that I know you brought up 
while we were watching it, which I thought was really important, and I'll say again, is that it shows how manipulative Neat is because he chokes Maddie and then he's so manipulative of like controlling her feelings because he ropes her right back in by being like, I've had a really hard yes. week. Like, I, yes, I, oh, I don't want to talk about my dick pics. Like, it's just, there's just so much going on in my life. And Maddie fucking falls for it. Yeah, so there's a lot of shit going on here. First of all, like, it, this is one of many reasons it's tough to, like, fully love Maddie because she has some great moments, like, knocking over the chili pot um, mm-hmm. and, like, banging Tyler. But then she also, like, follows those up by just, like, wussing out and going back to Nate or doing other really yeah. shady stuff, like saying that Tyler raped her. And um, it's not wussing out, and I agree with you, because she's not the classic abused victim that's, like, submissive to him. Like, even after he chokes her, she, like... Instead of being like, I'm sorry, and like crying in a corner, she immediately is like, what's up with the dicks on your phone? Like she's... Yeah, she never seems scared of him. Yeah, she's not afraid of him. Not that she shouldn't be, but she doesn't seem to be scared of him. That's Um, what I mean. She's not your classic abuse victim, so it's really hard to empathize with her because you're like, you're so strong. Yeah, she's like one of a few... Kick him in the balls and There's a few characters in the show that you like want to love at times and then they're kind of like really shady people in other moments, so it's hard to like fully get behind them and she's Mm -hmm. like one of those big examples. Um, but then other than that, the scene is like really interesting because right around this all- same time, we also have Cal going to Jules. Yes. Um, and basically at like begging her like to not ruin his life. Um, and it's interesting because we see like a contrast between how Nate and Cal approach these situations. Um, and, and I think that's more vulnerable. I think it tells us a lot about their characters. So Cal approaches Jules very vulnerable, like basically on his knees. Um, yeah he's very uh a very like human approach basically like trying to connect with her trying to like ask her but never being like super manipulative just being very like legitimate and like yeah authentic and is like i know you could ruin my life and all i can say is like please don't um well he's he's not only vulnerable but he's very you can tell that we have that previous theory that he might be a victim himself and i think that's like a huge indicator it's like that's what a victim normally does is they empath they they have some sort of level of empathy and like human connection, which I feel like in that moment Cal kind of was like, yeah, I find it to he's be not like a, her. I find it to be a little piece of evidence that possibly Cal is a victim or has had something fucked up happen to him, possibly uh, little beans dying, who knows? <laughs> but like I think that there's <laughs> some like beans. degree of like real like trauma or something, and that he like approaches this situation very uh, like humanly, not and threatening. Then on, he doesn't threaten Jules, right? Does not threaten Jules. And then this is contrasted heavily by Nate, who is immediately just being so manipulative to Maddie, um, is trying to, like, being very cold, clearly, like, manipulative, trying to get her back on her side. All all the emotion he's showing is so obviously fake. Yeah, it's not even real. You don't even feel for him. Not at all. You're like, oh, poor guy, he's gay. Oh, that's so sad. You're like, no, you're not even, like, trying to show emotion, even if you had any. Exactly. And that's probably because nothing shitty's ever happened to him. Um, So then we quickly, once again, it bounces around a shit ton. So then we get... uh, I I wrote Z and Gia, because I always say Zendaya instead of Rue. But yeah, Rue and Gia... Happens moment where Rue finds Gia, which you make fun of her friend. Yeah, she finds Gia because Rue runs into her dumbass friend who's, like, basically brain dead and is like, <laughs> uh, like, I think Gia's, like, over there behind that thing. Like, I have to pee. Is basically just a useless, like, <laughs> slug human. She's like a slug human. But through the slug human useless friend, they find Gia, who's over there smoking weed with Roy and Troy, 
McKay's brothers. Yes. As we now know. As we now know McKay's brothers. But this is another instance where we both are like, sometimes we stand the twins. Sometimes we think they're just both. They fucking suck. And this is when they fucking suck. This is also when you really see Rue and Gia's, like, just their sisterhood shines through. Because you know what? In that moment when Rue and Troy suck, and they say, you know, they're essentially mocking Rue for ODing. Gia stands up. She's, like, stoned as fuck, but she knows, like, mm-mm-mm, you don't cross that line. That's mm-hmm. my sister. Like, you don't get to say that shit. And I love it. She just gets up and goes with Rue. She doesn't even, like, fight back. She's totally. just kind of like, yo, that was lame. Yeah, we're back to fuck Rowan and Troy for being shitty to Rue so, yeah. here. Fuck um, Tio and Tamara. Gia's chill, though. Gia looks like a classic 13-year-old where she way overdid her eye makeup. Like, she's got the total raccoon eyes, but, like, yeah. so it goes. But also, like, she's such a cute stoner. Like, when they're walking home, I love that part. When she's like, what should I do? Like... When I see oh, mom, yeah. I'm like, what should I do? <laughs> yeah, she's a little nervous. It's cute. Rue's got her back. She's like, just go straight to your room, which yeah. we know all about because we have to do that for each other all the time. Yeah, even as adults, like literally if we're too fucked up, we like come home to Alex's parents' house. I mean, not anymore because we're in New York now. His parents are back in Washington, but yeah, you get the picture. Oh yeah, we covered for each other all the time. So then we get, you know, the last concluding scenes of this episode, which are actually really beautiful. There's one shot in particular that Alex and I are like obsessed with. Yeah, it's when uh, Jules is riding her bike through the dark, and it's like, again, in the orange groves, and it's lit by, like, a big white spotlight, Spotlight. and it's in slow-mo, and there's this super creepy, like, heavy, ambient, like, droning score going on. It's almost like a white noise, though. It's not even like a, you know what I mean? Yeah, that's like the drone, mm -hmm. the droning, like white noise and it's very uh this is a very david lynch shot and i'm a huge david lynch fan speaking of another great uh la diner the one in mulholland drive oh okay but yeah um great it's fucking scary this looks like a shot out of like a horror movie like there is is. like an intense sense of of dread dread. like this is like heavy scary weird shit which is interesting because i didn't realize this until now but when i was watching it i thought immediately not only do i love that shot but it's very foreshadowing that obviously this isn't gonna go well oh yeah so i feel so stupid because when i first watched you for my very first time around the end of this episode was a huge plot twist for me. I knew it was Nate, but I thought Nate was going to meet up with Jules and secretly be like, hey, you're the only one that will like understand that I'm gay. Like, I thought they were going to have this like heart. I really did. I thought Nate was going to like open up and he'd have some sort of like redeeming moment because we haven't seen anything. So I was like, we're going to see it now. Like, I can't wait. Now that I watch it, I'm like, that scene literally sets you up for like, like you said, it's like a horror film. So, like, watching that, I should have known, like, this is not going to go well. Yeah. Something is going to happen that's really bad. And sure nope. enough, it does. Yeah. They uh, they meet up. They're in this weird, like, park that's lit by, like, football stadium lights and is super weird and creepy. Scary. Yeah, it's totally like When he's scary. walking toward her, you're like, fuck, even though we all know it's Nate, it's, like, very scary. You're like, oh, my God. <laughs> yeah, it's super scary. And then Nate is pretty much there, initially at least, to kind of, like, fulfill his sexual fantasies, which are derived from his, like, sexual obsession with his father. So he basically tries to recreate Cal's, like, banging interaction with Jules, like, with her, with the whole thumb-in-the-mouth thing. Totally. And thinking it does that not that's going right. to go well. And, like, this is, I mean, that's basically, like, it's, like, how they talk about, like, people that don't have sexual experience try to, like... Mimic. Try to mimic, like, porn and what they've seen. And it's, like, that's not what real sex is like. And that's basically Nate. He's just trying to do, like, what he's seen You know what I just thought? You know who Cal. else does that? 
Who? McKay. With Cassie. Yeah, McKay, totally. He chokes yeah. Cassie, and she's like, goons. what the fuck are you doing? Yeah, at least McKay learns, but... Uh... He does, and he's so apologetic, where Nate's yeah, just a fuck. exactly. But, yep. but I was going to also say, when I first watched this, I don't know about all of our little fans listening, but I feel like I thought he was doing that with revenge in mind, meaning he was mocking what she did with Cal, but now I see it as what Alex said, which is, it's absolutely Nate being so... Just, like, not at all aware of, like, his sexual orientation. Like, he's just not open to it. He's very closed off. He has no emotions. So, like, for him, he thought mimicking what his dad did would be, like, successful. And that Jules mm-hmm. would be like, this is hot. And, like, he'd fulfill his fantasy. Obviously, yeah. like we said. I don't even think go- he's there, like, I don't think he likes her. I don't think no, he's but there I think for her. Kiss- I think he's there but see, to, like- I thought their kiss was, like, real. Meaning, like, I thought for a second, I really mean this. I think Jules was kind of, like... This is weird, but I'm like here for it. And then I feel like he was kind of like hoping it would keep going. And she was like, no, she never seemed there for it to me. But either way, my take on it is that Nate is there to like live out like his real sexual like fantasy, which is based on this like fucking perverted obsession with his father's sex tapes. Um, It's fucked up. But when that doesn't go well. He flips the script real yes. fucking quick. Which you and I both agreed. He had this in his back pocket. Meaning, like, he knew if this didn't go well, he was going to have this be, like, the outcome. Yeah, I mean, straight up, to me, this scene tells us that Nate is a sociopath. Because he came. I think he came there for himself and with this, like, one goal in mind. And the second, like, that doesn't work out, he is like, okay, cool. The, it's like the, swi- the switch flipped. Like, he is cold. Facts. He doesn't give a shit about nope. her as a person. It's a definitive, like, instant switch to, like, his cold, like, lizard brain persona. Yes. Where he's immediately just like, fuck you. Like, yeah, like, I'm going to make your you. life Like, miserable. he's a complete sociopath. He, I think he only, yeah. like, I think he can make that switch. I don't think he has, like, human empathy. And I think he's, like, only there to fulfill, like, his own insane, like, fucked up goals with yeah. no regard for, like, anyone else. I absolutely agree. It's a really dark, very sad scene for Jules. Um, but... Actually, no. She comes out on top, I think, personally. I mean, I know it's very traumatizing for her, but fuck. When she grabs Nate and, like, calls him out, or what does she do? She's like, what does she say? She's like, you're just like your dad. She's like, you know what I think? Like, I think you're a faggot, just like your daddy or something. Which is, like, baller. Like, once again, like we said at the beginning of the episode, for how much Jules has gone through, she's so confident, and she really is... Oh, we also said this. I do want to say this. He essentially tells Jules that she's broken, which I think is so stupid because Nate is the one that's broken, not Jules. Jules is strong. She knows who she is. And sure, she might have some bumps in the road, but like we've learned from this episode that she has risen from like a very dark spot that her mom put her through Mm -hmm. and she's come out stronger than ever. So I feel like it's like, no, fuck you. Jules knows who she is. She knows who she wants to be. Yep. Nate. I think that comment on Nate's part is very self-referential without him, yeah. whether he means it or not. I think he's really talking about himself. Like, he is. He has, thanks to Cal, he has this intense fear of like people coming after his family and his family getting fucked up. And he's like framing this as if he's like afraid of Jules in this instance and her fucking up her family. But I think what he's really afraid of and who's really broken and who he really doesn't trust is himself. Yeah. Um, he's afraid of wrecking his own family image. Yeah. Like, he's going to fuck shit up, and I think some part of him, like, knows it because he's well, and of course, a fucking psychopath. Whenever you know you're in the wrong, it's so so much easier to put the blame on someone else. So it's easy to be like, well, Jules, you're the reason my family's fucked. It's like, mm, yeah, no. uh-uh, bud, it's you. Nope, it Jules is, is an innocent party in you. this. 
Also, someone with a law degree could really fuck Nate up on this. Like, basically, this whole season, everything <laughs> Nate does hinges on making, like, vague legal threats. And if any of these people ever consulted a real lawyer, like, I'm pretty sure Which, all this could be They're too torpedoed. young to do so, but I get what you mean. I know. It's just, like, these are all very vague threats. And... Where's Olivia Benson when you need her? <laughs> Where is Odog? We need Benson and <laughs> We need and Law and Order SVU. Anyone from there to help Jules out in this moment. Yep. But, you know, that's how the episode ends. Oh, no, it doesn't. No, no, no. no. Oh, my God, I forgot the most beautiful part. I'm sorry. We have a redeeming, beautiful moment to end this fucked up episode. We do. And it's Jules running to Rue, which is she crossed through a window and is like, yo, can I stay the night? Very cute. Um, Yeah, it's really cute. They, like, essentially have this little sleepover. And I think I wanted to also bring up that it's really sweet that Rue, instead of being like, told you so, I was right, like, motherfucker was crazy, he's a creep, you know? She really, like, was very, very understanding. And no, there she doesn't hold it over her head or anything. No. They're, they're very, like, respectful to each other. They're pretty mature. Like, they, they treat are. each other really well. They're not dramatic like Cassie and McKay. No, no. So that's a really sweet moment. But anyways, there's this really beautiful, like, romantic scene where they're clearly, like, they're doing lots of stuff. Who knows? In the bed. Yeah. What yeah. they doing? Making out. I mean, I'm sure it went further. What that booty night. do? What that booty do? <laughs> But no, I mean they really have this really beautiful like hookup moment. Um the camera is really revolving. Like oh yeah, it's the, so cute. The camera revolves, you can tell they're standing, like the, the mm-hmm. stand up bed you talked about earlier. Um and the score here is also so good. They use like a very like magical, like old Hollywood it's like type La La score. Land. Yeah, yeah, it's very old Hollywood, like golden age, very like romantic and magical, mm-hmm. um, which works super well. It does love that. Because it leaves Great you choice. like with goosebumps. You're just like, oh my god. This is the first episode where you're just like, I fully stand ruin jewels like you want them to come out like yeah in a good it's great love it so yeah that's um, where we end this then, beautiful episode and then the credits roll um and <laughs> after last week's uh fun credit discoveries i took a took a deep look at the credits this week and yet again we have some pretty funny uh some pretty funny names in the credits what so do we this have week, alex we have some hookup random sweet guy random guy and random weird guy like what's the difference between random sweet guy and random guy i assume that's in reference to jules like car hookups um also wouldn't that suck if you were an extra and that was your name was just random guy like at least give me something (laughs) right like like i'd rather be random weird guy than just random guy (laughs) (laughs) yeah the one guy is just random guy like so we got sweet random and uh you know what i just thought of they what? haven't filmed season two they haven't even started filming for season two we should absolutely advocate to be extras <laughs> uh, we should we'll probably have to fly to la but who cares it. fuck it i was just thinking that like you can easily there's a lot of websites where you can sign up to be extras i'm totally. on one of them yeah same oh my god okay we're getting on this later cool so then we're on to superlatives. Yeah, all right. It's superlative superlatives. Time. Best dressed. Have any music what you got, for this? <laughs> <laughs> so best dressed for me. Um, I said Maddie. Oh, interesting. I went with a uh, cat this episode, which I know you would not have seen coming, probably. But oh, I think her. I changed my mind. Cat. I think her outfit works. Really I just changed well. my mind though. I'm with you. I like cat. It's uh, it's not cliche. It doesn't look like she just bought it at like Hot Topic. No. Um, it's very flattering for her. It's and very carnival esque. Definitely or not. Um, I like... think the jacket's great. I think her hair is good. I like the choker. Mm-hmm. Like, the hair is really good. She like got it together. She looks really good. I like yeah, it. Yeah, it's she kind has... of Shannon and the clams. It's kind of, kind of her, like her own style. It doesn't just feel like she just like. 
pulled this off of like the mall like dressing gown absolutely like she actually like put something together with her own style and it works so i like it yep cat you won best dressed worst dressed for me, it's Maddie. I, that's just, I mean, I don't give a shit about the sluttiness of the outfit. I just don't think it looks very good. I don't find okay. it very flattering. You're just not into it. Not my, not my thing. Yeah, I'm just going to let you take that because I, I really didn't, I couldn't think of anybody that was worse dressed. I honestly just thought, like, whatever. Fair. Um, how about your Bay of the Episode? Bay of the Episode for me is Maddie. Like, absolutely, hands down. I mean, to call anyone a cunt is very, like, go, you go. I mean, especially when it's warranted. And, I mean, killing over a chili pot, or, like, pushing it over, whatever she does, kick it, push it, like, that's hard. Badass. You have to work out to do that. I don't know (laughs) if I could. That'd be so embarrassing if you're, like, you're a cunt and you went in to kick it and it didn't... You couldn't, like, shove it over. It didn't go over. Oh, my God. Can you imagine the humiliation? Oh, the humiliation. That would be me. So, yeah, Maddie. For me, it's uh, Jules' dad. We, like, there's a couple... Obviously, Jules is a total badass in this episode, but we say her a lot. But in this episode, we find out that Jules' dad quit his job to, like, be with her. He helped her, like, start transitioning at 16. Like, he was super cool. He was like, fuck you to the mom. and Got her out of that asylum. Fuck out of there. Like, so, yeah, Jules' dad. Jules' dad. What a gem. Jules' dad. You are a real shining gem. How about your uh, big purple dirty rat bastard? Nate. It's going to be Nate for me. It's always Nate. Duh. Big surprise. Um, what about Class Clown? Class Clown. Hmm. I I mean, I'm going to say Maddie again. For the chili pot, yeah. Yeah, Classic. for kicking over that chili pot. I'm going to go with uh, Aaron, the one brother that we do know is in the picture <laughs> for uh, drinking Steel Reserve and shitting on everyone and yeah. <laughs> calling Jules jailbait and just being kind of like a drunken, Tipsy. like... and just roasting everybody yeah and the fact that he brings his family humiliation like bringing the jacobs humiliation is just like love it you're a class yeah my dude um best couple best couple it's rules for me like yeah yeah. it's rules they're continuing like the dramatic like emotional teen romance the Mm -hmm. arc that kind of started in the the last episode like it really kicked in in the last episode and now it is like in full swing it's in full swing but it's also like you said they're both even though they go through a lot they're both very mature which is very like unheard of in high school think about my relationships that i thought were serious and i'm like oh my god (laughs) absolutely embarrassing Mm -hmm. and i feel like they actually really like manage even though they go through a lot of like bumps they're very mature about it so yeah as of now they've been very good to each other we stand rules duh who doesn't though song of the week song of the week i mean i like the credits the labyrinth one we discovered which we'll plug on our spotify Mm -hmm. playlist but which by the way i haven't linked that yet i will i'm working on it cool um, despite not playing in the episode, I'm going to choose Shook Ones Part 2. It's okay, Mob we'll Deep. we'll put that on it's it, a, too. It's a New York City, like, hip-hop classic from the 90s. Well, great. They should have played it. Holds up. It's fucking Does hot. it not? It doesn't even play in the credits? No. Damn. What the fuck? No. Well, I think that was great, unless you have anything else to add about the episode. That's it for me. Honestly, this is absolutely my personal... I think it's my favorite. I'll probably say that every episode, but like this is my favorite. So I love this episode. It's so great. I hope you all enjoyed our in-depth look into it. Of course, I I can't end without plugging. Please, please, please follow us. Like share us. Like we want the word spread, don't you? Like Euphoria Season 2 is coming out. We need to be prepared. 
We are in a crisis. We are dealing with a pandemic. What We need euphoria recaps. <laughs> we, we need updates. The world, when it comes out of this, you will all be so proud that you tuned in. I mean, this is important shit. We need to be ready for season two. So you know what? Follow us on Instagram. We are at so underscore euphoric. Follow us on Twitter. We are at that so euphoric. If you just, you know what? If you don't have access to Spotify, our link is in our bio for Anchor, which has all the platforms in which you can listen to this podcast. But if you are in a country where you don't have access or if you just like are poor as shit like we are and you can't afford Spotify, you know what? Don't you worry. Go to YouTube, type in That's So Euphoric. You can stream any episode that we upload there. That is all. We are so excited to do our episode five, which we will drop next Tuesday. We love you all. We love the support. And you know what? We're just going to end here and we're going to go get more fucked up on our vodka and tea. But we love you. You know what, Paige? Let me grab my glass, please. Grab your glass. Really caught me off guard here, Alex. Cheers. That is so euphoric. Euphoric. Love it. See you next week.